bullshit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Hey, after you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real life friends and podcasting virtuosos Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents. If you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I parent when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh shit. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. It's me, Allison Rosen, and I'm sitting here in the new unnamed studio, as yet unnamed studio, with my new producer, Tony Thaxton. Hello and welcome. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's I'm having a day. I'm having a day. Yeah. You guys, we're having a day. Uh, <laughs> tell me about your day. Well, it's just, okay, so I am, it's, it's a crazy week, and then I'm, it's not off to the greatest start. Well, there's, and it's the, only like midday Monday right now. Yeah, and uh, I've just got a slammed week because my wife and I are going to the East Coast for a wedding this weekend, so trying to cram a lot of things in before we have to leave. And so today, I have several things scheduled, uh, several, a couple of recordings with you. I have a rehearsal. I had therapy today. And then, uh, yeah, I was also doing some work from home this morning. And then, uh, yeah, I, I start to head to therapy, and my therapist asks if I can come a little later. And I say, sure, that's no problem, but I have a tight window, so, but I can make that work. And then she shows up. She doesn't have her keys, so we do therapy in the waiting room instead. Was that weird? To uh, not be in the um, the normal therapy room? A little bit. The only, it, it was kind of whatever, but the problem was then at one point, um, I think another therapist came and knocked on the door and was like, "What's? why is the door closed? And why?" <laughs> and then she didn't know that my therapist was a therapist because at one point she's like, oh, you're a therapist. Okay. And you could tell she was a little annoyed. <laughs> Is it like a bunch of therapists who share a waiting room? It's kind of like a big, yeah, it's a, it's like an office building. And then there is like a waiting room at the end of one of the halls. And right. there's a few therapists in the building. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Um, well, that's good that you were still able to like have a decent session though. Cause I feel like something little like that might throw me off. Yeah. And then, uh, but it, you know, it was, it was fine. Uh, and then, um, you know, I I made a big deal last week about saying that uh, the panel show last week was my last time as a guest, and then I don't know. You might want me to cut this out, but I'm I'm going to say it right now. Somebody suddenly realized <laughs> there was a scheduling mix up and didn't have a guest today. So guess who the guest is now? 
<laughs> Brand new producer, Tony Thaxton. Hey. Yeah. Okay. So I will just, I, I debated whether to tell everyone what happened. Um, I'm sorry. I can cut that no, out. No, no, no. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. Because I, I feel more comfortable just letting it all hang out. Okay. I orig- I thought that I had Brian Safi of Throwing Shade on today. And I tweeted a call for questions. And then um, he emailed me and he's like, just want to make sure that we're still on for next week. Um, that's what I have on my calendar. Looking forward to it. So I realized that, uh, or actually at first I thought it was just a mix up when I said, are you available on Monday? I thought it was a mix up of Mondays. And then I went back in the email thread and I realized, no, I had specifically asked him to come on next week, but I never in my head meant for him to come on next week. I think I was just looking at the wrong date on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was like 40 minutes before we were supposed to start. So then I, I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> um, you know, I'm so sorry. Uh, is there any, but, but is there any way you can do today? And there's not any way he can do today. So um, I said, Tony, hey, would you want to be a guest? And he graciously said yes. Mm-hmm. And here he is. And I think that's great, actually, because... Um, since you are now a part of the show, people will want to get to know you more. And I was intending to do a Patreon bonus with you, uh, which I still want to do, but I think it's even better to just have you on the Monday show so we can really crack the code, the puzzle, the nut, crack the nut that is Tony. But I have to just, I have to say, cause it's hard for me to hold a thought in my head and not put it into the world. Um, I'm really baffled by how I fucked up the date because I am, this is out of character for me. And this is something that comes up in my relation, in my relationship with my husband a lot. And I feel like especially I I tend to talk about it sometimes on childish, the podcast I do with Greg Fitzsimmons. He like, I, I don't think of myself as detail oriented, but I guess I am in that, like I'm pretty good with dates and, and, Mm -hmm keeping a bunch of things in my head and juggling a lot of, you know, spinning a lot of plates. Whereas he lately things have been falling through the cracks for him in terms of like deadlines or payments or things like that. And it's just, it's, it's really frustrating. Like I, I come down a little too hard on him about it. It's just really frustrating for me. And then here I did it. Everybody and I feel like does it. I get, I don't though. I don't well, the same way. Like I'm, I'm generally pretty good at it, but yeah, you're going to have those moments sometimes. I don't guess. Beat yourself yeah. Up. We all do it. I feel like it's only fair that I beat myself up, though, because I'm such an asshole to him about it. I think the answer is to be gentler on him and gentler on myself. But I just more, I feel like, how did, but how did I do it? How did I mess up? And I think a little bit, it's that some of the booking that I'm doing on the show is like when I'm, when I'm feeding Owen in his room in the rocking chair and I'm using my cell phone. And I think that I just need to, or it's like early in the morning when I'm still in bed. That's generally generally when these kind of problems happen. I think I just need to, any sort of business correspondence needs to happen at my computer when I'm fully awake and I'm totally engaged. Yeah. I think I know why you did it. Cause I secretly wanted you on the podcast. Because you're human. That's why. Mm, that's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get to know Tony. All I feel right. like we need like a getting to know Tony jingle. Um... Well, Let's if, make- if only you knew a musician. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make one up on the spot. Oh, man. That's a... Uh, all right. You, you go. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, four. We are getting to know Tony. That was so beautiful. 
I'm sorry to show you up like that. Well, you know, I mean, maybe maybe I can uh, take that and then go home and put some music behind it, and it'll be great teamwork. <laughs> Good. I can't wait. Okay, you're from Virginia. Uh, sort of. I'm actually from Michigan originally, but okay. I lived in Virginia for a while as well. And yeah. um, what was your childhood like? Uh, I think pretty normal, honestly. Um, lived in a very small town in Michigan called Edwardsburg. Uh, it's right on the Michigan-Indiana state line. Um, not the most exciting area. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're young and that's all you know, it's just like, it's fine. It, it is what it is. Yeah. And, uh... So yeah, not not the most uh going on around there. Um like the the closest kind of major thing was like Notre Dame is very close to it was like 20 minutes from where mm-hmm. I lived. So that's kind of like the talk of that area. And then like Chicago, even though we're in Michigan, Chicago is like the closest major city to where we lived. Um was it like pretty typically Midwestern? Yeah. And I don't even know exactly what that means. When I I to me, what that means is like patriotic, into sports, masculine. Yeah, I kind of. And I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I still, a lot of, all of my family except for my parents still lives in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, in some ways it's nice to go back because I see everybody and stuff. And there's a few little spots that are nice to go to, but like. Overall, it is like, especially after living here for a while, to go back, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a different world here. Um, just, uh, yeah, there's there's something, because I, I think a lot of those people, too, and I would have been guilty of this, I think, if my family hadn't moved, is they kind of are from there, and they don't leave there. Mm-hmm. And, like, not even move away just like even down to like traveling i think like a lot of people is like that's really all they know it's interesting um is it an an idyllic existence and why would they want to leave or is it like just sort of a like we stick to our own kind of thing i think so like i well again i was a dumb kid so maybe i don't know if this is how everybody thinks but like again like uh and, and my family just didn't do a ton of traveling. Um, and so I think like, it just seemed like it wasn't something you did kind mm-hmm. of as, as dumb as that sounds. Like, you know, I, I can remember, like I was always into lots of like pop culture, you know, TV, movies, music, all that was very into that stuff. And like, you know, watch things on TV and you see like LA. And I remember like as a kid, just that seeming like this, like impossible place to ever go visit. And, um, did you want to visit though? Yeah, but it seemed like so not realistic to me. Right. Yeah. Interesting. My family, we would go to, um, like I can remember not although for only being two hours away, we really didn't go to Chicago hardly ever. I do remember going, but not much. And then um, we there is an amusement park which still to this day is one of my favorite places in the world called Cedar Point that's in Sandusky, Ohio. And if you like that kind of stuff, it is the best. They have the best roller coasters. But that we would kind of go there every summer when it was like four hours away from there or something. Mm-hmm. And that was, and then, yeah, I had grandparents, of course, that lived in Florida at some point. And so we would go there sometimes. And that was like the extent of the world I knew outside of Michigan for a while. Did you like the scary roller coasters? Not when I was a kid. 
I loved that was what was stupid is I was still super into going there when I was younger, but I would I was like a total wuss with any of the big rides. Mm-hmm. So I would ride all the small rides and still had a great time. But then as I got older and got into that stuff, like I'm very into roller coasters now, and I still I still want to go to that place all the time. Are you into Six Flags type? Um, okay. In my mind, there's Disneyland, which is like the not super scary ones, even though they're they're thrilling. But then mm-hmm. there's not for yeah. this is this is a hyper local breakdown of theme parks. Then there's not. I think Berry people Farm. are familiar with Disney. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Have they heard of it? Okay. I guess it's. And then there's Knott's Berry Farm, which has ones that are a little more intense. And then there's Six Flags that has ones that I won't even go on. Yeah. I see. I I like the intense ones. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like them all, honestly. But yeah, I'm. Are you a I thrill seeker? Uh, I don't know if I would say that necessarily in general, mm-hmm. but in that regard, yes. Do you have siblings? I have two older sisters, yeah. And what do your parents do? My, uh, they're, like how'd they end up in Edwardsburgville? Uh, well, <laughs> they were just from that general area. So, we, you know, same thing, like, had always lived there. And um, so we just lived there. And then... Uh, my my mom was uh mostly just a mom mm-hmm. um she occasionally would have like some part-time jobs she took here and there but usually just mom and uh my dad worked for a company it was originally called Whitehall and uh they were eventually bought by company H Robbins it's a company that makes like uh like Advil and Preparation H and stuff like that <laughs> And, uh, so he worked, they had a plant, um, it was actually in Indiana, but he, he worked there. And, um, when I was in eighth grade, the, the plant closed down. And, uh, so he, he, and he'd been working there since he was like 18 or something. What did you do there? Uh, he was a mechanic there. He basically was just like, kind of like worked on the machines if they broke down. Mm -hmm. Um, which I've also kind of been told that that meant that most of the time he didn't really do it. He okay. just did like crossword puzzles most of the time. Uh, so uh, when they closed down, he didn't know uh, exactly what he was going to do. And they had another plant in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and they ended up hiring him there. So uh, when I was about to start high school, which is a great time to be the new kid in school, <laughs> right? Uh, we moved to Virginia. And how was that? Uh, it was terrible at first. You know, it's... It's the kind of thing that now, looking back on it, it's it's like one of the best things that could have happened to me, mm-hmm. and it really like started to like plant the seeds of where my life went. Um, but um, yeah, initially I just hated it because I didn't know anyone, and I can be kind. Of, I don't. I guess shy is the word. Like, I, it takes me a while to like kind of open up to people and feel comfortable. Um, so like I was definitely quiet and just didn't, I'd never been in that kind of situation mm-hmm. except for like kindergarten, I guess. You right. Know? You were going um, into ninth grade? Yeah. So starting, starting high school, school at a brand new school, which is already, you know, high school's already uh, mm-hmm. starting that as a big deal. And then to be the new kid. And then the, uh, the, what made it even better was this was also right around the same time that Tony Braxton became popular. <laughs> and so that was all a really great combination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you begin to feel like you fit in there if you ever did uh no i i did um yeah honestly like the difference between my freshman year and my senior year is like astronomical like by the time i was actually sort of <laughs> like i guess were you on homecoming court no okay no 
I, I was never like that, but I, I, uh, by the end I was happy and enjoying it and like actually kind of pathetically sad that I was graduating because I was finally like enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though I have like always played drums at least, uh, I wasn't playing music in school though. And, um, it just so happened that freshman year, literally the first friend that I made in 1992, uh, was my friend, Matt Taylor, who is still my best friend. And he played bass in motion city soundtrack and we played in old bands together. Um, so that kind of just shows like, you know, that where things kind of just like started heading right um and because of him he was playing in the school band and stuff and he found out that i played drums and we got along really well and eventually he was like you should you should come play uh but i didn't know even though i'd been playing forever i didn't know how to read music Mm -hmm. because i was just self-taught and my dad played and stuff so i just kind of grew up around it um so i just kind of started dipping my toes in a little bit and i started taking lessons just so i could learn how to read music and then like just like are you talking about how to read um drum sheet music or all read any kind of music uh well in this case because you play guitar as well right i do yeah yeah. um but yeah i'm not i guess technically now i can read music but it's still a weak spot for Mm me um but in this case i was talking about drum music in, in particular um and so once I started doing that, then I did start playing a little bit in the school bands and, and then also playing in like outside of school, playing in rock bands and stuff. And that just kind of like took over my life toward the end of, uh, of high school. And by my senior year, um, I don't even really know how this is possible. It seems weird now looking back on it, but by the time I got to my senior year, I only needed like two more credits to even graduate and so i only had two academic classes my senior year and everything else was band stuff wow um so like it kind of wasn't even like going to school Mm -hmm. um just yeah it was mostly just music and then when i wasn't at school i was you know i had a good friend group and was playing a lot of music outside of school were you the original drummer of motion city soundtrack um no but there were uh, very spinal tap like in the early <laughs> days where there were a lot of different drummers that didn't really last a long time. But that was in like the super early days. Okay, when like they were before there started. was attention on you guys. Yeah. So I joined that band in 2002, and then our first like real record came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. So, so any of the like recordings that are right. out there, yeah, was me. How did you guys get discovered? Uh,. Discovered sounds funny to me. Uh, we. How did you get onto a label? We. So when I joined in 2002, um, the. I think there was some slight interest from some small labels that was already kind of brewing. And then um, we had kind of. There were some kind of like big lineup changes though, because. Uh, so our two guitar players, uh, they, they're the like constant that had been there since mm-hmm. the beginning. And, um, but then at the same time I joined, um, our keyboard player joined the band. Cause at that point our, our singer was playing guitar and keyboard sometimes. Uh, so they decided they wanted to have somebody full time doing that. So he joined the same time I did. And then a few months after I joined is when Matt came and, and started playing bass. Um, so in, 
during 2002, we were just touring relentlessly. Like I joined in January. We literally recorded what would have been, or not what would have been, what was our first record that eventually ends up coming out on Epitaph. Mm -hmm. I recorded that after I'd been in the band for like two weeks. Wow. Um, and we just toured and toured and toured. Were these like year. tours in a van? Yes. Were you like, playing all ages or? Mostly, yeah. Um, some bar, like it was the kind of thing where we would just play anywhere and everywhere we could, and we were hardly home all year long. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, we while we had some moderate success over the years, uh, it was never really with like radio play and stuff like that. Like I've always been proud of that a lot of the success that we had came from just working really hard and mm-hmm. touring our asses off. Um, so we just were playing, you know, some playing house shows and playing shitty bars or just these like DIY spaces all over the place. And um, yeah, as the year went on, like more labels kind of started approaching us. And uh, yeah, so I joined in January and then I think in December of that year was the first time we came to LA and uh, right before we were getting here um, Epitaph got in touch with us and I remember at the time thinking like really Epitaph like Mm -hmm. it it was cool but like I thought of them as such a like punk label Mm -hmm. and even though we kind of have like it's they've I think they we were kind of the one of the first bands I feel like where they kind of started branching out a little more than just kind of like strictly punk right and so it seemed weird but then um we met with them and really liked them and it very quickly was like oh this seems good and then yeah we signed like a month or two later i think was that exciting it was very exciting yeah it was again like like how when i was a kid and and just imagined going to la so now i was in la and then record labels were coming to talk to us and then you know cut to a month or two later we're actually like signing our contract Mm -hmm. and yeah it was very exciting i remember we uh we all went to dinner one night and like brought the uh because they we were like sent the contracts and we were like let's all go to dinner and we'll like get a a nicer dinner and we'll (laughs) uh sign the contracts at dinner and then i remember we had to go rehearse uh right after the dinner because we were leaving for tour in like a day or two and uh about 30 minutes into the rehearsal i got violently ill oh no <laughs> from your like, fancy dinner <laughs> yeah so i was like well, this is this is not off to a great start it's not i hope that's not a bad sign <laughs> right but, uh thankfully it all worked out all right um did things immediately change once you got signed In terms of, okay, so it wasn't like all of a sudden you had an influx of funds. No, I mean, we, there were some things, there was a little bit, you know, like, and especially, you know, this was, I hate saying this out loud, but you know, that's close to 20 years ago already. Uh, And the record industry was a lot different then, although it was already starting to change a lot, Mm. but I think there was still a little more money in it then than there is now. Um, so we by no means got money, but you know, we got a a little bit and we were, um, starting to feel a little more comfortable and, um, you know, like they helped, like we needed a a nicer van and, and cause our van was pretty old and shitty. And so they kind of helped with things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you know some so much of that stuff like did they take over booking for you guys uh we had a booking agent oh you did yeah we actually yeah we ended up getting a booking agent before we had even signed mm-hmm. with a label because we were booking ourselves and then um yeah like partway through that first year um a guy named ron opaleski who is with william morris um somehow heard us and really liked it and then just wanted to help us and i think at first he literally was just helping us mm-hmm. like not even getting paid i don't think and he just believed in us and so there's a lot of cool stuff like that over the years where yeah. people just kind of believed in us and wanted to help um did you want to be a rock star i would not say a rock star uh i Again, I always liked playing music and, you know, it seemed like, wow, that would be crazy if you could do that for a living. And I feel very lucky that I did get to do that for a living for a long time. Uh, but I, I think I think all of us kind of had the mentality of we just wanted to be able to do that. And if we could do that and pay our bills, mm-hmm. great. Like anything beyond that was just like a nice bonus. So like, I, yeah, I never was like, I never expected to, or even necessarily wanted to be like this huge, huge band. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, yeah, this would be great if we can do this and make a living doing this. Did you guys get along when you toured? Mostly. Um, you know, there was never like a ton of huge drama or anything like that. Um, the, you know, people, drive each other crazy from time to time because uh, it's exciting because you're you're traveling the world and all that but also you know you don't get to go home at night you're with your co-workers 24 hours a day mm-hmm. and you'll start driving each other crazy <laughs> and uh but there was never like necessarily huge fights or anything um i'd say like the biggest thing in in he's been open about a lot of this is our singer had some like drug and alcohol problems that um were probably the biggest problems in those mm-hmm. earlier days yeah in terms of um like were you guys concerned about him um or do you feel like he was messing things up for you both yeah it was and he was very secretive about it for a mm-hmm. long time like we knew there was a history but like and we but we, there was times that we thought he was doing fine now and mm-hmm. that he was he was doing all right and we're gonna we're gonna be good and right and then stuff would happen and, yeah yeah I was in a band and That's right, yeah. Yeah. And we toured a little bit. Uh but what a was lot the band of called again? the Angoras. Okay. The tension in our band uh, well some of the tension in our band. It, that being said it was very fun. But there was tension that came from the fact that some of the members were super driven and like they are professional musicians today. Mm. And then some of the members of which I was one were like this is we're just doing this for fun. Yeah. Um and so the fact that we were not all on the same page about what the goals were um, was fine for a while, and then it started creating tension. Do you feel like you guys were all on the same page in terms of that? Um, more or less. I think some people more than, you know, I think maybe, uh, you know, I won't name names or anything, but I think some people, everybody brought different things to the table, I think. Some mm-hmm. people may be better at certain things than other people, and... So you know, it's it's that's what's going to happen. I think we have different personalities, and there were five of us. And what did you, know. you bring? Talent, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aside from the raw talent, <laughs> uh, I, I 
I mean, look, I'm not actually saying talent, but at at the same time, I I think I I am com- very comfortable performing and recording. Like I'm I am most at ease when I'm performing or in the recording studio and stuff like I I I have I think you and I have kind of talked about this um whether it was on the show or not uh, mm-hmm. that I'm I'm very uh I'm just like in my own head a lot and and very just get like social anxiety and like weird about talking to people and just mm-hmm. being a person a lot of the time <laughs> but like you you know you throw me in a room full of people that I don't know. And it's like a social setting. Like I do not know how to handle it, Mm -hmm. but you can, you know, I can get on a stage in front of thousands and thousands of people and not think twice about it. Did you ever get stage fright? No, not really. What about, did you guys do TV performances? A couple. Yeah. We, uh, we did old Conan, like late night with Conan, Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Kimmel and the late night, Fallon also. What were those like? Uh fun. Uh mostly. It was uh the Conan thing was still like a huge deal to me. That was that's literally one of the only times in my life that I remember crying from happiness because I was, again that was another one of the things that seemed like oh that that's just a, a pipe dream. Right. Um and cuz I was a huge Conan fan for a, a long time. I've always been kind of a, a comedy nerd. Um, so I grew up like loving David Letterman. And then when Conan took over his old show, I was got super into Conan. Um, so getting to do that was, was very surreal. Um, we had a little bit of a weird history then with our, we only did three of those late night shows and the first two did not exactly go smoothly. (laughs) Uh, we played on, when we played on Conan, First of all, it's a weird day because it's it's just it's that kind of like hurry up and wait that you mm-hmm. get there and then you just sit and do nothing for hours and hours and hours. And then once the show starts, like at least the old show, I don't know if they still do it like this, but they kind of tape in real time. So it's like it's an hour long. Mm-hmm. And and uh, um, so it goes by really fast and we're waiting, watching the rest of the show in the dressing room. And then somebody comes and gets us. We go out and we play one song. And I remember that is a time that I would feel a little bit more nerves than mm-hmm. than normal. Because uh, you have like one shot, yeah, and it's just like, oh, this is on network television. Right. This is this is crazy, and uh, I remember feeling kind of nervous. And um, the commercial break was like, we got out there, and the the commercial break was ending, and this was when Max Weinberg was still there, and like they finished their song, and Conan starts kind of doing his introduction, and I happened to like look over at, at Max. And he like gave me a nod and like pointed his sticks at me. And I was like, all right, I feel good now. Um, but then so we, we play the song and it goes okay. Like not great, not terrible. And then we walk off stage. It's like, all right, we did it. And then a stage manager comes over and immediately goes, you guys, really sorry. Uh, our board crashed right before you guys played. Oh, no. We're going to have to get you guys to play it again. <laughs> so it was that like oh it's we did it and then oh man we gotta do it again <laughs> so the weird part is they had us go back out and do it but they let the audience go home <laughs> so we literally just played to cameramen right and and then max's son jay who is now the drummer of slipknot oh wow <laughs> um <laughs> uh, was sitting at max's drum because he was he was a fan of ours too so he had came and hung out he was like 14 at the time <laughs> or something 
And um, uh, so, yeah, it was just, it was very strange. So when you, if you saw the performance, you see Conan introducing us from that original thing, and then it's edited. You still hear a crowd, but then it edits to us playing to no one, and then they edit the crowd back in at the end, and <laughs> coming over and shaking our hands. And, right. Yeah. And then... Uh, I just, I got to tell this while we're on the subject. Please. uh, When we played Kimmel, this was probably, I don't know, six months later or something. Um, Again, very exciting. Um, And we are about to play where they have let us come, you know, you come out a few minutes early and you kind of like check, make sure everything's working fine. And we used um, in-ear monitors at this point. And um, while they're, because at Jimmy Kimmel... Uh, sometimes the bands play outside and sometimes they play mm-hmm. in a, in another room that's separate from where the main show is. And we played in the other room, not outside. And, but they, they bring in like your fans for this and stuff, which is kind of nice because it feels more like a show because mm-hmm. they're actually standing and they're there to see you. So it's a little more of a comfortable setting. So while they're kind of bringing people in and we're checking everything, they have some house music playing. And I'll never forget it <laughs> because, uh, it was it was Summer Girl by Beck, and that music is playing in the room, but it's also going to our in ear monitors. I know. And I remember all of us kind of like we we're when the stage manager was around, we were like, we can hear that, and they were, like, oh yeah, that's that's just how they do it, you know. That'll obviously when the show comes back on, like that that'll go away. I feel nervous guess, for you. Guess what didn't go away? <laughs> Beck Summer Girl and uh-huh. the music. The yeah. whole, so you had to. What'd you do? So. This was one of the more terrifying moments in my life. So, you know, they and they had told us, you know, Jimmy will come up here. He'll introduce you guys. Oh, blah, my blah, God. Blah. This, I'm having a visceral and, reaction to and this. So, oh, my God. What a nightmare. So the song we played is a song called Everything is All Right, which is a song I start as a drum intro. <laughs> and so because Beck is playing in my ear, in my in-ear monitors, Jimmy Kimmel's standing right in front of me. But I can't really hear him because I'm mostly hearing Beck. And I can tell he's talking and they had been telling us, he'll say this, he walks off stage, you start. Oh, God. And so I see him talk, and then people start cheering, he walks off stage, and I'm like, I guess I gotta go, so I just started Were you guys playing. all, like, looking at each other like, oh, fuck? Kind of. So then what happened is I start, and if, if you, again, if you ever see, the, I think it is online somewhere, uh, when our singer starts, because once the vocals come in, like, the guitar comes in at the same time, He's very off on that first mm-hmm. note because he's hearing a completely right. different song. And thankfully, once everybody started playing, it kind of overpowered. But it still played the whole time? I it, I think it may have cut off at some point, but we, we couldn't really tell because right. once we were all in, we couldn't hear it anymore. Oh, my God. And yeah, afterwards, we like talked. We were like, so that didn't go away. And they felt terrible, as they should. But... Yeah, again, we, we got through it. And but. <laughs> what would have happened if you had taken out your monitors? Um, It would be hard. I mean, we would hear... Because s- you didn't have stage monitors, so, right? Yeah, there's no stage monitors. Right. So, I mean, you'd still hear the amps and stuff, but yeah. like wouldn't really hear the vocals, except for what's like pointed toward the mm-hmm. crowd, but it's going right. away from you, and yeah. it's surprisingly hard to hear in that scenario. Yeah. yeah. I've done live podcasts where I can't hear anything from the stage, and that is super yeah. weird. If it's like a loud room, mm-hmm. um, that's that weird like floaty feeling, but nothing like what you're doing. Yeah. Um, that, sounds, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, it was. It was real. Oh, my God. Real, real scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are the bands that you guys toured with? 
Oh boy. Uh, tons. Um, we toured with Blink-182 several times. Um, let's see. Uh, Panic at the Disco, Fallout Boy, All-American Rejects. I'm trying to think of like bigger bands mm-hmm. that we toured with. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like those are, I'm bl- blanking on like bigger ones at the moment. Those um, are pretty big. Yeah. The, I will, I'll throw this in. This wasn't a tour, but it was the weirdest lineup of all time. Uh, we, so we, we'd play a good amount of college shows here and there, which are, they're very strange. Uh, they can be really great or they can be just really not great. Mm-hmm. Um, you never quite know what you're going to get. Cause sometimes they'll open it to the public and then like, you know, your fans will come. Sometimes they're student only. And sometimes a lot of the students don't really care about being there. It's just something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we played, and then also they'll just put this really weird mix of bands on the show, just I guess to try and give a little something for everybody. Mm. Um, and we played this huge, it was like, I think it was 2006, this giant outdoor show at University of West Virginia. And I think it's the only time I've ever played in West Virginia. Uh, and it was huge. This might be one of the biggest shows we ever played. Like it was enormous. But the lineup, and this was the order of the bands also was first band was the wreckers which was michelle branch's country band (laughs) followed by the roots (laughs) followed by motion city soundtrack having to follow the roots was a terrible thing to have to do and then after us stained (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah so was it packed oh yeah it was it was outdoors and it like it's one of those things I don't think anybody really has an accurate number, but we were told later it was like 15,000 people or something like that. What a weird lineup. Yeah, it was very strange. I need to talk to you guys about one of my favorite companies, Brooklinen. They make amazing, super luxurious, very comfortable, high quality sheets without the insane price tag that some sheets have. Uh, it's a company that was founded by husband and wife team. Uh, they stayed in a hotel. They loved the sheets. And as they were checking out, they inquired where could they get these sheets. And they found out that they were like some astronomical amount of money. And they thought, this is insane. There's got to be a way to get good quality sheets um, without the markup. Because I think the markup normally is something like 300% or I might have made that. I don't think I made that up, but I'm not sure I didn't make that up. But it's something like no, I'm pretty sure I didn't. It is something like that. Um, and so uh, they have created Brooklinen, and they cut out the middleman, and they get you these super nice, high-quality sheets. They have a lot of different colors and patterns. Um, they sell out uh, sometimes. of so, so what I'm saying is get on there and get the one you want. We have blue and white striped, and they are my favorite sheets, and we sleep on them, and then we wash them and put them right back on. Even though I own multiple sets of sheets, they're... I mean, I only own one set of Brooklinen sheets. In the course of saying this, I'm realizing what I need to do is just get more Brooklinen sheets, because those are my favorite, and I sleep better on them. I really do. Uh, it's in their name, so you know it's good. Brooklinen's newest linen collection is amazing. I couldn't recommend their products more. For graduates, newlyweds, family or friends, or treating yourself to the bedroom upgrade you deserve. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for my listeners. Get 10% off and free shipping when you use promo code BESTFRIEND at Brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their products that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off and 
and free shipping is to use promo code BESTFRIEND at brooklinen.com. That's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code BESTFRIEND. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. So all the year, because you were in the, you toured for 11 years, right? Yeah. Um, did you have an apartment or did you like, were you still at your parents? What did, where were you living since you um, weren't really living anywhere? Both. Uh, I, for the first like five or so years, I was just, yeah, at my parents' house. And then it, uh, cause I was never around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also when we were still like very poor, a lot of the band was based. So the other three guys besides Matt and myself, uh, lived in Minneapolis, but Matt and I lived in Virginia. So, um, either sometimes breaks between tours were so short that we didn't really have time to go home and, or we just couldn't afford to. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had some people that would let us stay with them in Minneapolis. But if I did go back, I was still just going back to my parents' place. Um, cause it seemed like why, why spend money on all this? Um, but then it hit a point where, um, a combination of, I decided I was going to move to LA. Um, and then on top of that, I was like, I can't keep coming back to my parents' house. I'm going to be 30 soon. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it's a weird thing of like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to like just spend money on rent every month cause I'm never here, but I, I just, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't just keep coming to the parents' house. It, Were your parents supportive? Very, I don't mean financially. I mean like I'm- very supportive. Yeah. Almost, almost too supportive mm. in a way. Like what do you I, mean? Uh, just, and I, I don't mean that to sound bad because they're, they're the best and they're great and they've always been very supportive, but it's like, um, like they will, they will come to every in any show that they can. Like if it's in with like, like I think about a four hour drive is like <laughs> their limit generally. Um, and they just, and they love it. And like, it, and the reason I say too supportive sometimes is, is they, they'll get very excited about things that I'm like, that's really not that exciting. <laughs> like you don't have to like post every little thing on Facebook. I mean, Cause like, I, I remember, uh, it just like seeing things like my mom would somehow like find just like some random person had like a blog and they like called one of our albums, like best record of the year or something. Mm-hmm. And then she just like repost this like random guy's <laughs> blog. Like, how cool is this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice, but it's not that cool. <laughs> yeah. It's the people I know who have that situation with their parents. Um, I think sometimes feel like, and I know I'm being very vague, but then that's on purpose, but they feel like it's hard to, uh, to ever, it's hard for their parents to take their, negative feelings seriously like their parents are sort of like everything's great like pollyanna-ish mm-hmm. about it and it's like no you don't get it like i'm there's things that i'm struggling with do you have that with your parents um a little bit i mean they're always supportive and they'll be understanding but it um i mean i think that's it's not so much on them as it is me i think that i just again even with my family i think i i have a hard time like opening up sometimes is the thing I'm working on about myself and trying to get better. Um, that, uh, yeah, I'm just not good at talking about those kind of things. And that was honestly, um, so I left the band for a little while in 2013. Cause I was like, that was when depression stuff started getting really bad for mm-hmm. me. And I just felt that I really needed to get away. 
And that, um, the conversation that I had to have with the band was very hard, but I was almost dreading telling my parents even more just because I know how much they loved it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I know obviously they want what's best for me. Mm. So I, I understood that, but like, I know how much they loved it and I really didn't want to tell them like, yeah, this is, this is going to stop now. How did it go? The conversation with them? Uh, with my parents? Mm-hmm. Um, it went fine. You know, they, they just listened and were supportive and, you know, they, they wanted what's best for me and they just, you know, I hadn't, I think at that point they had no idea that I was feeling as bad as I was because I hadn't really right opened up about it. Yeah. How long, um, had you been in the band and feeling depressed? I think it was creeping in slowly over the years. I think the first time I ever started really noticing something was maybe around like 2007. But like looking back, I think that was pretty minor. But at the time it felt major because it was like kind of new. And it was Mm -hmm. also like that was when things were like extra exciting because I feel like that was maybe like maybe – peak time for us like when we were starting to like do the best and our our records were doing well our we were playing the biggest shows we ever headlined and like life was just seemed really good but yet i didn't feel great Mm -hmm. and i didn't really understand why um but and that was just kind of like up and down and nothing super severe and then um I think in like 2011 and 2012, 2012 especially is when I started getting a lot more depressed and it started getting, um, I don't don't know if I want to say darker, but, uh, just not feeling good and feeling very sad a lot. And, Mm uh, I, uh, it was, it was a weird thing where I, even though I hadn't officially decided that I was going to leave. It was, it was in my head a lot of like, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this. And I can remember our last show of our U S tour in 2012 thinking to myself, I wonder if this is my last show. Mm. And, but I hadn't like talked about that with anyone and hadn't even come to terms with it really myself. I guess in a way I had, but um, yeah. And like, two months later or something, I think is when I had the talk with them, but we had a, um, a string of like international dates coming up at that point in like a week or two. Oh. And so, but I had like a full on breakdown where to where I, I had gotten an email from our manager one day that like laid out the entire year, basically of all <laughs> these things we were going to do. And I just looked at it and immediately felt sick to my stomach. I was like, I don't want to do any of this. And I then called Matt and kind of told him what was going on and, you know, could like barely speak. I'm just like breaking down the whole time. And then he immediately talked to the rest of them. And then the next day we had like a big like conference call. And I think I said about two words because I just couldn't mm-hmm. speak. Um, but yeah, and I, I did tell him like, I just, I don't, I can't do this right now. I, I need to get away. And um, uh, I just knew I needed it for myself. And uh, but I, we also had those international shows coming up and all that was, so I was like, I'll do these, mm-hmm. but 
I need to be done after that. And how, what was it like doing those shows? It was weird. Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of a relief in a way. It was emotional, but it was, I was trying to be like, let's, even though I'm in a weird place, like I'd really like to try and enjoy this knowing Mm -hmm. like this is, well, what was going to be the end. (laughs) Right. Um, and, uh, and like we went to Japan on that run too. And like, that's my favorite place in the world. And so like, it's always fun to go there. So that was nice. And then the last show of that run was in, uh, the Philippines. Uh, it was the one and only time I've ever been there. Um, so again, what, what would have been my last show was in Manila and it was actually a really great show and it was a, a nice kind of like ending and, uh, I wasn't sure like how it was going to go. It was a weird thing. Like, you know, the whole time that kind of being in the back of your mind, right. Knowing this is it. Were they understanding? Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't really remember anybody saying a ton other than, you know, just things of, of like, you know, wanting me to, to get better and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it it I don't really remember like necessarily talking about it all that much. Mm. Um, Had they noticed that you were going through something? Again, I I, I don't I'm not sure. Mm. Like I cuz I think and this isn't a, a a a slam on anybody. It's just kind of like the reality of I think how bands work a lot of the time is is um while we're we weren't necessarily fighting or anything um and we all do get along but it's there are kind of like two separate groups kind Mm -hmm. of like and it's again it's not like against each other it's just like oh us three tend to get along really well and those two tend to get along really well so it's kind of like and was the was it you and matt yeah me matt and and jesse our keyboard Mm -hmm. player would be yeah we would hang out a lot together um and um so, uh, I know I forgot what the question was. I'm sorry. Um, I, I wondered if they knew that you were going through something. Oh yeah. So I think, I think I'd opened up a little more to Jesse and Matt. That's why mm-hmm. I brought that up. Um, so we had definitely talked about it some, um, but, uh, yeah. So, and I don't know if maybe they had then talked to the other guys a little bit about it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really remember a ton being said mm-hmm. about it. So then you left the band yeah. and you were in LA at that point. Yeah. I'd and, been, I moved here in 2007 and you were, did you move with a girlfriend? Uh, sort of. I was dating someone at the time. I didn't move here. I didn't like move in with her or anything, but I moved, she lived here and I, it was a combination of we were dating and I also just liked it here and kind mm-hmm. of, it always was like a little bit of like a fantasy of like, be cool and then it just got to the point yeah i was like i can't keep going back to my parents yeah let's get crazy let's go to la (laughs) so uh how did it go once you quit the band uh a lot harder than i thought it was going to i uh not that i expected like that to be me leaving to like solve all my problems and and i knew it was gonna be weird and and quite a life change and but i think it was even harder than i thought um, cause I had no idea what was next for me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's a weird thing to get to do what you kind of always wanted to do. And then suddenly like that, Oh, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how to do 
anything else. Like, this is the the one skill I've applied myself mm-hmm. to. And, like, I don't know how to do anything else. So I didn't, I really didn't know what was going to be next. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, like, completely stop playing. I was definitely playing a lot less. But um, it was more like I would just kind of do stuff at home for fun and maybe a little thing with some friends here and there. Um, but... I uh, I never regretted it. I never looked back on it and thought, should I have stayed? It really, I really was confident that it was what I needed mm-hmm. for my own mental health at that point. Um, so yeah, that was, so I felt good about that part of it, but I think it then made me realize that that wasn't the only thing that was making me unhappy. And there were just a lot of, life things that I needed to change. And I had been in a relationship for quite a while at that point. And again, I'm not saying this to like badmouth anybody, but I think just the reality was it, it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just telling myself that it was, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't. And, um, uh, and it still took me a couple years to, to get to the point of doing something about that. And, uh, and yeah, and it just a lot of um, trying to figure out what's next and working a job that I hated for a little while, but I just, I was like, I have to do something because what was it? I started working at a merch company for a little while, like printing shirts mm-hmm. and stuff like, and it was, I hated it. Um, Why? I mean, I was, I hadn't worked a, a real job in over a decade. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to go back to. And then also just, I just, I didn't, I felt very out of place and I, I just, I felt like everybody else working there was very different than me mm-hmm. and we just didn't gel very mm-hmm. well. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't like it, but I just, I had to a point where I, I had thankfully, thankfully and unthankfully, uh, unthankfully, is that a word? <laughs> I know what you mean. All right. <laughs> uh, I had had some money saved up from my years of touring and all that, but uh, uh, then my time after leaving of going, uh, now what? Then I kind of went through that money. Mm. And then I hit a point, I was like, oh, I have to do something. And a friend kind of helped me out to get me that job. And um, yeah, I did it. Think I stayed there like a little less than a year. That was like my goal was like, I do not want to still be here in a year. And then I thought I was, I thought I was getting a job with a podcast network actually to, to work as a like engineer and producer. And then it ended up not panning out Mm. and which is ultimately good because that network doesn't exist anymore either. So it wouldn't have lasted long. Um, And then, uh, yeah, then around that time too is when I finally was like, okay, I need to do something about this relationship that's not working. And so I did. And, uh, it just so happened coincidentally. I think I've maybe told this before on Mm -hmm. on here that, yeah, the same day that I ended that relationship was the same day that I met my now wife. That is crazy. Yeah. Pretty, pretty insane. (laughs) Did, but this part I forget, did you, when did you realize, like, oh, I'm going to marry this one? Pretty quickly, but not 
it wasn't like that thing. The The fact that we met that same day was a total coincidence because mm-hmm. we were playing a show together. And so we had a rehearsal and I was at this rehearsal and I knew before I even went to the rehearsal, I already like knew when I came home, I was going to have the talk that I was. Uh, How long had you gone out with this girlfriend that you were breaking up with? Uh, about six years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you got, did you guys have a pet together? Yeah. A dog and a cat, actually. Mm. Yeah. Do you do you see them at all anymore? <sighs> no, it's been a while. Um, yeah, I, I was still seeing the dog for a, a little bit, um, and it's not. Uh, again, it's not anything. I don't know. It's just. It's. It's. It's just like. I don't know. It's weird. It's. It, it's I just no. There's no hatred there or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just. I would like to see the dog, but I don't know. I just. I don't know. I don't know how to say what that is. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that you would want to be respectful of her space. Yeah. And I mean, it all worked out great because actually she got married now too. And so like, you know, I think that shows that it made the right decision. Yeah. We both, we both needed to get out of that. Yeah. 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 So I know that you've talked a bit about it on the podcast. Um, but where are you now with depression and that kind of stuff? Um, it's a work in progress, but I think I'm making improvements. Um, yeah, I've started taking some new medication, a few of them. Uh, and I'm finally at that point where, cause they take a while to start kicking in and I'm at that point where it should kind of be happening now. And you know, it's that thing of like, I think I've been feeling better lately, but it's like, I'm also doing lots of other things that are supposed to help. So I'm like, is the medicine helping or is it the other stuff? Or is it oh, both? Or what's like, the other but, stuff? Oh, uh, just like, you know, I'm trying to eat better. I'm trying to exercise more. I'm trying to meditate, which I'm terrible at. <laughs> I'm trying to just like uh, practice things like just smiling more and laughing more mm-hmm. and, and which feels ridiculous sometimes but <laughs> it's like literally trying to for like i watched this ted talk about have you ever heard of laughter therapy or sorry no. laughter yoga no what is that it's literally just laughing basically and as apparently there's science to back this up that uh whether your laughter is real or not it Will, can make you happier. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. And it feels very dumb <laughs> to do, but I've definitely been trying to do that lately. And it feels, it's like the thing of like, I close all the curtains when I do it. I don't want a neighbor walking by or something. And, um, but uh, yeah, so just lots of little things that feel stupid. And it ends up taking like a lot of my day doing all of these different <laughs> things. But it seems like I'm, I'm, making progress so you know i'm gonna try and stick with it do you keep your wife in the loop in terms of how you're feeling um yeah for the i think for the most part and i I, some days i know that uh you know something might slip in here and there where i'm just like i feel kind of shitty today or, or in this particular moment maybe it doesn't last all day and i know i'm not fun to be around right now so i'm just gonna let you know that like I'm real grumpy right now. I don't know why it's not you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I try to just like those, those things, especially. Yeah. yeah. Let's take some questions that people sent in. 
Okay, so we are taking questions on Patreon or we took questions on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen, uh, and Twitter. And uh, we have a song. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. Ray Morgan says, describe in two words what Allison's house smells like. Oh, man. Well, here's here's the thing. Now I'm going to immediately just make this about me. Please do. That's the point. I uh, My wife gets upset with me sometimes because I, I, uh, I don't think my nose is huge, but it's not small. Uh, despite its size, I feel like I have a very poor sense of smell. Interesting. Yeah. I've encountered people who claim this. Yeah. It's not that I don't smell things at all, but like a lot of times, like, yeah, my wife will like, like how great does it smell? I'm like, I... I don't know. Mm. It, I don't really notice anything. So I'm now, sorry. if I were to ask her, she would verify this because this is also the could be the most diplomatic answer. <laughs> this, I'm going to make it about myself now. The most diplomatic way to not have to say that my house smells like you know dog ba- baby poo. You no, know, you can. You, this can be confirmed. Okay. Yes. I don't think my house smells like baby poo, but I do no. think that the baby I think rooms. I, I would notice baby shit. Yeah. You said poo. I said shit. I got, that's okay. I got filthy. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy the filth. Um, yeah. One time, David Huntsberger was saying hi to Elliot. Uh, David Huntsberger was like in the doorway and Elliot was in Elliot's room. Uh, and he's like, wow. Like, what have you – like, smells intense in here, man. <laughs> he just called it out because it, it smelled so strong. I don't know. I, maybe it's time to get new diaper pails because even when you take the offensive – diapers out of the pails it still smells i think it's just yeah. time to get new diaper pails yeah probably so okay uh, but i haven't noticed so. thank you that's because it's like there's sort of much like in motion city soundtrack there were the two groups within the band <laughs> there's like two parts of the house within the house right and the right. the shit stays in the kids wing yeah <laughs> I'm making i, I, I have not mansion. visited the kids wing right so. there you that's yeah. exactly uh okay leanne ward says i'm a huge champion of tony being on an ariymbf fixture one when is felice navi pod coming back uh well that's very nice um i don't know if it, uh christmas you know uh, November ish, if 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 we do, there's no official plan, but uh, yeah, we used to do it all year long, and then it kind of became like, wait, well, uh, this it, we got too overwhelmed, and, mm. and we just started doing it. it was like, makes more sense to do it at Christmas time. <laughs> this is your Christmas themed podcast, yes. which I've been a guest on too. Yes, yeah. Can you use your one degree of separation from Sarah Watkins to get her on Allison Rosen as your new best friend? Parentheses, she's one of my favorite music artists. Sarah's incredible. I met her when I did Felice Navipod. Oh, she right. She was pregnant yeah. at the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, I know people. I, I'm, <laughs> sure I, I'm sure I could talk if, okay. if it's, uh, yes. Three, what is your favorite Christmas memory? My favorite Christmas memory. Um, I have I have lots. Like, I just, you know, I, if you know anything about me uh, outside of being in the band, I am vocal about my love of Christmas. Um, so I, I have lots of, you know, things that I love to do and all that. But, uh, you know, the the Christmas that, like, stands out to me the most, uh, and it's kind of a lame answer, but it's just the truth, is I think it was the Christmas of 1988, I believe that was the year 
when uh, I got a Nintendo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because that was, and my parents still give me a hard time about it because, you know, I told them at the time, you know, if, I, if, if you give me a Nintendo, you don't have to ever get me anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I love these kind of negotiations and proclamations that kids make because I used to do shit like that too. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a big deal because that was yeah that was all I cared about getting that year. Ah, uh, that was Nintendo Classic, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I remember. God, I remember being so into it that uh, and Super Mario Brothers was mm-hmm. what what I was. That was the first yep. game that we had, and that was what I. And I remember sitting there in I think it was eighth grade for me, um, and we had like a. What did they call it? Some period of the day where we'd go to the library and just have like silent reading. And I remember feeling my thumbs twitch. Like I could just, I couldn't <laughs> wait to get my fingers back on the controller. What games uh, were you into? Uh, also Super Mario Bros. That was the big one because, uh, you know, that's what came with it. And that was the one I cared about the most. So that was like, all right, well, you get it all at once. Um, but yeah, that was, that was big for me. Um, and then all the, all the Mario sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I think it surprises people that I actually like football a lot. So I, I used to play a lot of tech mobile and things like that. And, um, yeah. Uh, do you still play games? Sort of, not a lot. Uh, I go kind of go through phases where I like, don't touch things for months, sometimes years, mm-hmm. and then something will come out that'll kind of spark my interest again. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of like in a in between right now. Not really playing a ton right now. I try repeatedly to get into it because my husband periodically plays games, and it seems like such a nice escape for him. Yeah. And I think like I would love to have something that immersive. I haven't tried since having kids. Now I don't really have. I don't have. I I don't find myself wishing I could get into it so much. But, um, but every time I try to get into it, I'm like, it's just I don't have that whatever is required to make that be your thing. I don't yeah. Know. I, yeah. It's, it's it, like I said, I, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's phases. Cause they're so different now. They're almost like just interactive movies now. Yeah. Kind of. It's not just like, Oh, I'm going to play this till I die. It's like, Oh, you die, but then you just <laughs> continue where you left off. Right. So it doesn't even, I don't know why they even make it that you die. You're right. It is like an interactive movie. Yeah. It's different than a puzzle. I mean, I guess I'm sure someone will say, no, it is a puzzle, especially they'll be like that game portal. You should play that. And mm-hmm. to that, I say, I tried and I could not <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Whitney C. What kids book do you remember best from your childhood? Oh boy. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't much of a reader as a kid, honestly. Um, uh, I guess Charlotte's Web. That's so funny you say that because yeah. I was trying to figure out what my answer would be, uh, and that's one of mine too. Yeah, and that wasn't like a thing like that my parents read to me or anything. I just we read it in school, and I remember actually like being way more into that mm-hmm. than I was most books. Yeah. Have you seen the movie? Not the new one, but the original. I know I have, but not. It's in a so long good. Time. I watched it recently with Elliot, um, and so for a few days afterwards, he would point at the TV, go "pig." That <laughs> was him asking for a pig. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's really sweet. Uh, okay, and then Nathan says, "How daunting are the drops? Can you handle it?" Oh, we're gonna find out soon. <laughs> That's I right. don't know just yet. Later today, we're but recording it's... the first Thursday show. They'll hear hear that before they hear this episode. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's quite a task. I know. I'm getting. I'm feeling the pressure. <laughs> okay, and then on Twitter, Sam wants to know uh, if you could be any Muppet, who would you be and why? Uh, well, I mean, 
am torn because like animal is my favorite for obvious reasons mm-hmm. but you know like in, in a way that's kind of already what i do so <laughs> right i don't know i mean i guess i maybe fozzy <laughs> you know, i mean he's terrible at his at his his comedy but um I, in a way i guess that's also me already too. But, no, I get. I've I've always I've always loved comedy. So there you go. I could be a comedian and a muppet at the same time. Did you? Were you endorsed by a drum company? Yes. Which one? Uh, for actual drums, uh, DW, and then also uh, Sabian cymbals, Promark drumsticks. So how does that work when you get an endorsement? Uh, what are you asking? Like, exactly? do, like how how are you supplied with drums? And when you need new stuff, how does it work? Um, it's it's not always the same for everyone, and even sometimes it changes throughout time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky, and all those companies were very good to me. And a lot of the time, they if I needed stuff, they just gave it to me. But like, like do you go to a showroom and and try out different? gear uh, and then say i want this this and this or do they say like we're just gonna send that's what i'm wondering like the, the like load the specifics of how you acquire it. right um i suppose that i could do that with some stuff but i didn't normally i have done that with sabian symbols because they have an office actually very close to your house um so i've been there and like tried out some things before but i'm not uh for as much as i've played music and uh all that i i'm not like super specific with mm. gear I'm, i tend to be like i like it or i don't mm-hmm. i'm not like oh like some people get really nerdy about it. i'd like to hear some more warmth thought about <laughs> oh, i'm not that guy yeah so i'm just like it's good or it's not um so i don't get super picky and like the companies that i worked with like i knew i liked their stuff mm-hmm. and like with the symbols even like the first time i tried some of their stuff um they were willing to work with me they're like well they because i was playing zildjian cymbals and then they came sabian came to me and they're like um they wanted to work with me and i was like well i'm bad with gear if i told you told you what i have with zildjian cymbals Mm. could you recommend your closest thing with yours and that's what they did and they're like and if you don't like these we'll work with you until you find what you like and i liked my stuff right away nice yeah okay Loves Mornings would like to know, what other podcasts do you listen to? Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, that's kind of been, you know, later later in life now. That's, you know, that's my other other job, obviously, now. Um, so uh, my favorite podcast is Never Not Funny. Uh, so I listen to that all the time. Um, I'm also a big Star Wars nerd. I'm, I'm a fan of this podcast called The Star Wars Minute. Um, is it actually just a minute? No, but what it is is the each episode is a generally between like 20 30 minutes uh and it comes out Monday through Friday and they literally go through the movies one minute at a time. Wow. It's and it's it's a pretty genius concept that has now led to this whole like genre like people are doing it with other movies i want to do the facts of life my favorite show i don't know if people are doing it with shows i don't know if people have done it with them because i that that would be quite a task because that's would be hard to do 30 minutes on a minute (laughs) (laughs) i know well i think that's the is a lot of people do it with other movies now but for me i mean i know it's my love of star wars talking but star wars has such like 
every little like person you see in the background if you like do some research like there's a they have a name and there's a whole backstory mm-hmm. for them and so like they can get into all that and so it it works somehow but uh yeah so i listen to that a lot i like the doughboys um, have you been on the doughboys i've not i want to but i've 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 have met those guys and i i think mitch kind of knows who i am now because of me playing with don't stop Mm -hmm. it will die um but yeah i've not done the show i've tried to like hint at them on twitter but and i don't like being that guy so i've but i i had to try yeah (laughs) and so never not funny uh is your favorite podcast and you have i know done some fill-in producing for them and also you play with podcastathon how did you get to know them um yeah, not not producing, but the I was the I've been intern for a, oh, a okay. couple of times. Um, I originally, well, I was just a fan initially, but then um, I think my connection came uh, weirdly through Doug Loves Movies. I've been on Doug Loves Movies mm-hmm. a handful of times, and um, Matt Belknap produces that. Is he still? I think so. Um, he produces Doug Loves Movies? Or he at least, yeah. I didn't know that. He, he, he kind of splits it with um, Ryan McMiniman, his business partner mm-hmm. at AST. Um, so they kind of take turns doing it, I think. Um, the last time I was on Doug Loves Movies, uh, Matt was backstage afterwards talking to Doug. And yeah, I was like, oh, what a weird coincidence. Hey, yeah. Matt. That, <laughs> that no was idea. probably why he yeah. was there. Um, yeah. And actually, I every now and then, if one of them can't do it, then I... I jump in oh and do cool it. uh but that's very rare but i have uh but yeah the first time i ever did douglas movies matt was there mm-hmm. and um and we kind of just became a little bit friendly that night if you know what i mean that sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh but one thing uh, led to another <laughs> yeah and then um yeah and i i don't remember why we had like kind of kept in touch for whatever reason and then um I became such a Never Not Funny fan that uh, when they were doing Podcastathon in the old days, when they would check their um, total throughout, like every hour, they would check see how much money they'd raised. They would just like have the crowd do a drum roll like on their laps, and uh, so eventually, I just I emailed Matt one day when one was coming when Podcastathon was coming up. I was like, "Do you guys want an actual drummer to come do a drum roll?" <laughs> And uh, I didn't really think they were going to go for it. I just thought, why not throw this out? Yeah. And they were like, well, we love this idea. And now I've done like the last six years or something like that. Fun. Yeah. And it's grown. It literally was just drum rolls for a while. But now it's like turned into like we actually have like a house band. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. It's fun. Um, okay. And lastly, Tuesday would like to know, does he have a favorite warm up song that he likes to play when he sits down with an instrument? Hmm. Uh, not really. Um, I guess with drums and this will probably mean nothing to most people, but, um, I love this band called braid and they have a song called the new Nathan Detroit's that, uh, has this drum intro that I really love. And it's one of those things that I, I tend to like when I first sit down, I'll kind of like do that for a second. That's probably the closest thing I have to that. Tony Thaxton, thank you so much for being my Monday guest. Thanks for uh, having me. I know it was a little bit last minute. No. And again, I, I hesitated <laughs> to mention it at the top. You didn't. I did. You can blame me for that. But I was debating mentioning it because I know someone's going to be like, you shouldn't let him know that he wasn't your first choice. But I feel like... You, 
You He's gonna, I, there's no I way know. that you're not going to know because you I was knew on was my on, way here. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So Patreon bonus episode with you coming up one of these days, months soon. Uh, cause, cause then we'll get into, um, even more. Oh. Even more. <laughs> more of my rambling. <laughs> That's no, not rambling. Um, <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. Um, Tony, where might we find more about you? Uh, at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram. And if we didn't, we didn't really say this, but there's a Motion City tour next year. That's right. So just in time for me to take over as your full-time producer. I know. But I'm going to leave for a month next year. But. I was thinking about this, that this morning. I was thinking, how, like, how much should I be trying to figure out how to deal with that now? And then I decided this isn't happening until... Like, we have six months. Yeah. Little, a lot can happen between now and then. You may fire me before then. Right. Yeah. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a welcome break at that point. <laughs> I'm at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Check out my other podcast, Childish. Um, sign up for Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. There's bonus stuff, behind the scenes content. Uh, you can get your question in ahead of everyone else. It's uh, super fun. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? But now we gotta go Yeah, Allison Rosen Is your new best friend